0: Welcome back, everybody. We got a brand new episode for you guys today.
1: As usual, the Hall of Gains and Hypertrophy podcast, we got Paul and Kristoff today. We're going to be talking about a very exciting topic, which I'm sure a lot of you have probably have heard about over this weekend and probably predicted it. If you're thinking about this podcast, probably predicted say it going into it.
0: Or just Uh listening to us talk over the past couple of weeks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we did mention it a few times. It's the uh, Mr. Olympia competition. Uh, Happens once a year, middle of December each year. This year was back in Las Vegas, which is exciting. But um, we're going to be talking about the results, the pre-judgment reports, different routines for different athletes, stuff like that. Uh, I do want to preface this entire episode by stating that uh, the blessing and curse of bodybuilding is that it is entirely subjective and opinion-based. Um, so on one hand you got our opinions or your own opinion that you think you know the athlete should have placed here or there Um, but at the end of the day what matters most is pleasing the judges and what the judges think of the athletes and that's a completely different story than you know what our opinions are so we're just gonna be seeing who we thought should have placed where how we would have judged it Uh, but at at the end of the day our opinions don't really matter in the grand scheme of things Uh, and You know, there's a lot more to take into account than simply what we see in photos and videos. Uh, You got stage lighting and stage presence that play a different role entirely when you're actually there. So if you've ever been to a bodybuilding competition in person, the athletes will look completely different than they do in photos and videos. Uh, And one way they look different is through stage presence, how they carry themselves on stage, their confidence, the way they carry themselves, just even in the backstage will also play a little bit of a role too. Um, so that's also something to take into account because you got the, you know, different posing routines, uh, different prejudging, actual posing styles. But at the same time, you know, if you're, if you exude this confidence and atmosphere that you deserve first place or something like that, that's called stage presence. And that's, what's going to play a role. It's, it's all psychology in that sense too. So, um, the judges will base it, including that, um, you know so like if you have for instance Seabum has a phenomenal stage presence he's got this confidence to him that kind of sets him apart and that's part of the reason that he's been winning lately so that's something we'll be talking about as well is just stage presence and how that looks um so yeah so we'll be talking about that today and hope you enjoy it at least
0: i think a good reference to make is uh in the it's if you think of your favorite artist or musician, they record a studio album and it sounds great, but they could be garbage on stage because they don't put on a show on stage. Yes. and that could be exactly how a person looks for the for the Olympia. Like if you have them on Instagram or TikTok, or whatever, and they post pictures and they look great, but then when they go on stage and they just have no like dominance of themselves or the crowd, they're not going to place well and that's kind Mm -hmm. of a good little way of thinking about it um another preface as well is that paul is the one who has a full understanding of what's going on out there and when you hear me uh put in my two cents keep in mind that i am more or less uh here with the fitness or the lifestyle fitness side of things so my comments will not be nearly as in-depth or um you know i guess you could say uh smart in terms of what we're looking at so if you want the real stuff listen more so to what paul's saying if you want the goofy side of things listen to what i say <laughs> um, yeah that's but, okay we learn. yeah we all
1: learn yeah
0: absolutely um so before we get rocking and rolling uh with the actual results and looking at uh stage performances and whatnot mm-hmm. uh I'm, we mentioned it before a little bit, but Paul, but do you want to just break down a little bit what the different, um, I'm going to call them sections, but. Yes, um, divisions. Divisions, there you go. You yeah. want to break down kind of what that looks like?
1: Yeah, so Mr. Olympia is just like most other bodybuilding competitions, but the difference is is that you're called a Mr. Olympia. You know, So like, for instance, I did on the solo podcast session, I did break down the Hurricane Pro, which is a pretty big show each year, but uh, you're not called Mr. Hurricane or something like that. Uh, so that's the difference with Mr. Olympia. It would be kind of funny if you're called Mr. Hurricane. Sounds like a like that's, a wrestling name. <laughs> well,
0: I was gonna say that's that's a wrestler from the uh, early 2000s era in the WWE. Hurricane. Yeah, so it so sounds like to be guy in a little uh-huh. green uh, suit, and he would just derp around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah, so Mr. Olympia basically the way it works is like any other bodybuilding show. You're going to have different divisions. You're going to have different weight caps, stuff like that. So We're going to be mainly focusing on um, men's physique, classic physique, a little bit of 212, and men's open. Um, We're not really going to be talking about much of female competitors and divisions and all that because personally, I don't know enough about it to really give an opinion. Um, I think that's better suited for other people who pay – who are more focused on women's divisions – um, all the respect to the women competitors, it's just not something that I follow enough to feel that my opinion is valid. Um, well, I mean, so,
0: girls have cooties too, so that, that makes it so do. we don't, we don't watch that.
1: Yeah, no, but, um, <laughs> I want to yeah, look man. at dudes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird to say it. It's like, oh, I like watching men shirtless and wearing almost nothing on stage. Well, I mean, it's, it's so the, nice.
0: It's the it's the age old meme that we have in the gym world where it's like I'm going to go to the gym and get so many girls, and then in reality, it's just all the guys like standing around saying, "Nice pump, bro."
1: <laughs> what a king! You're looking big, dude. I'm trying to be like you. Yeah, it's it's how it is. It's just it, it ends up being the opposite. I feel like that's kind of where it started for me too. In the gym, which I've talked about was wanting to look good for girls, and it just really went the other direction. And a lot of guys will talk about like. Like Rich Piana was like, either I was going to end up gay or becoming a bodybuilder. So I became a bodybuilder. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's a funny uh, world to live in. But um, if you know, you know, and you got to be part of it to fully understand it. But um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the men's divisions today. Uh, so you got men's physique, 212, classic and open. When people say they're Mr. Olympia, they usually refer to men's open. So they they they're usually referring to like for instance ronnie coleman is an eight times mr olympia um that's men's open uh chris bomstead's won i think four years in a row now uh so that's he's a four times mr olympia classic physique is usually what how it's called um because if you say a mr olympia in a sense you're correct but that's not what it's associated with mr olympia is associated with men's open so typically um when you say you're mr olympia outside the division of men's open. You include the division that they competed in. So, Sean Clarita, this is his, uh, I believe, second year winning in a row. I think I have to take a look at the past couple years and results. Uh, I don't follow 212 too much, but um, Sean Clarita is at least a two times Mr. Olympia 212 uh, competitor. So, that's how you'd say it is Mr. Olympia 212. And then men's physique is Mr. Olympia men's physique or MP, whatever you want to say. So, uh, that's usually how Mr. Olympia works. Um, the weight caps and stuff like that is all kind of the same as most other pro shows. Uh, regional shows are going to vary as well, depending on whatever uh, you know governing organization they're under. Um, untested and tested leagues also vary differently in the weight caps and height and stuff like that. But Mr. Olympia is known as being the pinnacle of you know being the best and. It's known as if you win the Mr. Olympia in whatever division you're in, uh, then you're going to be the best of the best uh, in that division. So Seabum winning Classic. He's considered the best in the world at Classic right now. Um, it's just how it works. Uh, so Erz, he won third. He called himself in his Instagram post. He said third in the world. So that's just how it works, and that's how Mr. Olympia is carried on. Um, Joe Weeder, who started it, um, basically created his brand – um from a magazine subscription back and i think it might have started in the 60s but really that's how arnold got huge was joe reader kind of found him from like the universe competitions and all of that and kind of like brought him up and had to move out to venice and was doing magazine covers with him and stuff so that's how arnold got big and then the olympia started back in the 60s and um then arnold had his reign during the 70s and here we are today Um, you know, you had the three big competitors we've had. Um, Lee is, uh, I think it's Lee Haney, uh, Ronnie Coleman and Phil Heath have all won eight, uh, Arnold won seven. Um, and then you just trickle down from there for whoever won the most. But, um, you know, those four guys really carried most of the decades of Mr. Olympia. Um, but we, here we are today with, actually pretty stagnant olympia each year it's we've had different winners the past three years which is really unique to happen because usually when you have one winner you go for a few years i mean even jay cutler won i think was four years in a row which um is a decent amount of wins a year in a row but then he stopped and that was that was you know even then he won one and then he went for three more after that um but like, for instance, you know, we got Brandon Curry back in 2020, Big Rami 2021, and then now Hadi Choop in 2022. I mean, that's that's very rare that that happens, that, um, you know, you got multiple winners pretty back-to-back. Usually it's at least two years in a row. When they win one, they usually win another. So pretty interesting situation, at least. Um, but we'll, we'll dive into who we should have, who we thought should have placed where, how we would have done it, or judged them at least, and kind of go from there. Um, and definitely the biggest focus today is going to be classic physique because that's what's huge right now and that's what our generation is going to be definitely increasing popularity once we get older and into that division so definitely going to be talking about that today i do think uh
0: talking about how you know hottie won this year big rami last year and uh i forget the name you said for curry yeah um Mm -hmm. i think that just feeds into the opinionated stature of Mm -hmm. what bodybuilding is because i've i mean i've seen pictures of um not so much the mr olympia group or the open i mean but uh when it comes to the classic physique obviously i've been following a couple of those guys for a couple years now and you know their physiques do change like they Mm -hmm. get bigger and better more toned, more defined some people fall off but the people that keep winning are winning because we talked about some different factors like stage presence and all that stuff and if you can't sway essentially if you can't convince the judges that you should be number one then you're not going to get it which is Mm -hmm. kind of an interesting thing because you know uh, from any other metric like or any other sport i'll say like you are the best because you fundamentally have the best skills or the best look, like whatever you're do whatever sport you're doing. Whereas with bodybuilding, it's just like, hey, did you put on a good show this day? Yes, you have to have like your size and your tone and everything, but did you convince them that you should be number one? Which I think is a really interesting aspect for why this sport is, you know, such a good sport to kind of follow and get into.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a saying that um, follows a lot of shows when someone wins a show that was kind of unexpected or someone didn't place the way they wanted to, is that they say, oh, this person was just the better bodybuilder that day. That's just what's said. It's kind of like, um, you know, when you face, like it's like a championship, like Super Bowl or something like that, you know, when the underdog kind of wins, it's usually just that they were the better team that day. So that's kind of how it works is sometimes, you know, you'll have guys who will come in just a little better and then they'll just, you know, they, they're the better bodybuilder that day. And then the next show a week later, they don't win, they play seventh. You know, it's just for some reason they just came in just right for that show. And um, that's part of the art and science behind all of it, because there's the art of the posing stage presence, but then there's also the science of getting to the correct physique, um, you know, slimming down, getting cut for everything, um, and then also carrying that on stage properly. So there's a science and an art to it, and you know you just got to be the best you can in both aspects. Uh, men's Open, there's a lot that happened when it comes to classic and men's Open. Very dramatic year in the sense that um, who everybody predicted was going to win, and well, really top five really drastically changed once actually pre judging started. So men's open. Um, I'll just go ahead and just kind of start on men's open. Then, uh, just kind of give my opinion real quick and answer any questions is, um, men's open. I was rooting for Derek Lunsford for the most part, because I absolutely love his look. He looks amazing. His overall proportions and structure is just extremely aesthetic. And I think if you want to use a good example of a good looking men's open competitor, it is definitely Derek Lunsford. Um, I think he's going to bring back aesthetics to men's open. And I think we really need to start straying away from rewarding size and really start rewarding size plus aesthetics. Um, Classic physique is obviously another uh, competition and obviously another conversation, but men's open It kind of, ever since basically Dorian Yates, it kind of became who is the biggest and who also can get extremely lean, but it was never, since Dorian Yates, it really wasn't about aesthetics. It was whoever could look the freakiest on stage. Um, Obviously they had to be lean. They're not going to reward anybody who came in watery or flat or something, but you had to be huge and you had to be lean Um, or at least lacking fat. So it's good to see that someone like Derek Lunsford is being rewarded for his look because he's not the biggest on stage he's actually a relatively short guy as well um but he brought an amazing package he came in lean he came in big uh in comparison to his height he came in big at least um and he just looked phenomenal he got second which i'm super excited about so Derek lunsford made his mark in 212 because of his height Uh, But then he decided to move up to men's open and it was such a good decision to make uh, because he truly belongs in men's open. He was just too big. He was just too good for 212. 212 has its place in the divisions. Don't get me wrong, but 212 is also designed for a certain type of physique. And I think he was just kind of growing out of that physique. Um, 212, for anybody who doesn't know, 212 is referring to the pounds. So no matter what height you are, you have to be under 212 pounds for your way in. So that usually re- usually appeals better to guys who are on the shorter side and want to compete in men's open. Because, for instance, Sean Clarita, who won first, I think he's like 5'4 or something. But because he's able to get up to 212 pounds, uh, he's able to look big and be at that weight cap, even at a small frame, where if he were to compete in men's open, he would need to put on way more mass and really justify his overall structure and probably his conditioning in order to look good. But because he's able to compete in 212, he can keep us relatively like less muscle mass than he would need for men's open and also look phenomenal. So it's a perfect division for him. Derek just kind of outgrew that. He outgrew the 212 weight cap. And now that he's able to focus on, uh, you know, a higher weight and better condition and all of that with the more muscle mass, he's able to really compete in the division he belongs in. And You know, getting second in his first men's open is just insane to me. Um, It was very good, um, you know, result from his first showing. So, wanted to say that at least. But at the end of the day, I'm extremely happy that Hadi Chupin won. Uh, He has deserved that drastically over the past, you know, five, six years of competing in men's open. Um, he's competed, I believe, longer than that. But at least the past like five, six years, people have argued that he's been robbed of the of the Olympia uh, over and over again. Kind of like Kai Green. Kai Green was robbed over and over again because of Phil Heath, and Phil Heath for multiple years in a row. People argue shouldn't have won. Uh, he was just kind of favored because of his presence and you know his fame and you know all the wins he'd had previously. But Heidi Chupin really deserved it, and he's deserved it for a long, long time. And I'm just it. It's almost like emotional in a sense because you watch him for for like i've only really been watching the olympia for like four years now um and it's it's each year you just see guys who get kind of robbed of it and guys who don't deserve the win it, granted this is also opinion based so that's the big thing that we preface this episode with is that this isn't opinion based and one of the biggest controversial olympias as far as who won was 2020 with brandon curry he came in who what people thought was very watery was very soft, just not conditioned. But then Hadi Chupin came and diced to the gills as per usual and just got robbed of the wind. So it's so good to finally see Hadi win the Olympia. And one thing to mention with Hadi too, is that I think it was him who was in a um, generation iron documentary. And he talked about how in the middle East bodybuilding is huge. And it really is. Bodybuilding is a huge sport in the middle East. And, um, Winning the Mr. Olympia is obviously the biggest honor you can bring home, but the second, the worst honor you can bring home is not winning the Olympia. So, going home, not winning the Olympia to, you know, a a culture where honor is such a big, uh, plays such a big role, and not being able to bring home that honor, you're not treated the way that you deserve to be treated. Um, It's not, even if you play second, you know, you're not treated like you play second, you're treated like you lost. Um, which, you know, inherently you did, you know, you did lose, but at the same time you play second, you're second in the world. I mean, that's something to be very proud of, but he finally won. So he's going to go home. He's going to be treated well. He's going to be treated like the king that he is. um, And he's going to, you know, hopefully come back next year, more motivated to fight, to stay at the top of that hill. Uh, You know, there's no one, there's no, there's a saying there is, I think there's no wolf that star that's starving more than the one that's, that's climbing the hill or something like that. Um, but the wolf at the top of the hill is the one that needs to maintain it. So he needs to now maintain this position that's going to be even harder for him uh, because he had to make his mark. Now he has to keep it going and that momentum is going to take a little bit to build. Seabum has that momentum. It took him two years to build it. He had to win two times in a row in order to build it. And then he also got huge from social media. So now he has a strong momentum, but Hyde needs to build that momentum. But at the end of the day, who I'm really rooting for now, after Hottie won is I'm rooting for Derek Lunsford. Derek Lunsford looks amazing and I think he's gonna be amazing competitor in the future. And if he gives himself the time to keep winning, I mean who knows how long he's gonna compete for, but I i predict he's gonna win multiple Olympias if he keeps going. So it's very exciting to see that. Uh two twelve, he looked amazing. I know he beat Sean Clarita and then he moved up to men's open and here we are today. So that's my opinion on uh, men's open for the top two at least. Um The other results for men's Olympia or Mister Olympia, I mean, for men's Open is let me pull this up here. I'm forgetting for some reason is Nick Uh, Walker being third. Yep, Brandon Curry and then Big Rami being fifth. Big Rami being fifth is not a surprise to me. Um, He is back to his old ways. Um, I know that you're kind of new to the Olympia stuff, but um, Rami won last year. But the thing that Rami has been consistently doing up until last year is that he would look amazing in photos and videos, which you did mention earlier is that social media is a big difference. So he'd look amazing in photos and videos. He'd look peeled fucking 10 weeks out, but then on stage, he just does not show up to par. Um, and that's exactly what happened this year. Last year, he pulled it off. He, he came in exactly how he looked in photos and videos. So he it was a well-deserved win. Absolutely deserved last year's win. This year, fifth place, did not. He just did not show up, and he came in soft. And my biggest problem, I think, he from what I saw, he got fifth because of his back pose. Uh, they talk about how uh, you know shows are won from the back, whether or not you believe that, that's up to you. I think that the back obviously plays a huge role. It's literally half your body, but your back pose is going to play a big role. And when he's in his back pose, he really let his gut go. Um, even though you're not looking at the gut, when you're looking at back pose, it really protruded to the left and right of his body. So it kind of looked wide It made him look wide. Um, especially coming from an angled look, if you were looking at him from an angle, which being in fifth place and prejudging, you're already off to the side. So it makes you look even worse when from an angle, your belly's protruding. So it just did not make a good look. Uh, so I think that fifth place is a very fair placing for, for Rami. I'm very unfortunate you know, very sad that Hunter Labrada didn't place the way I wanted him to. I think he came in fourth last year. I was hoping for top five for him. I was even placing him probably top four if you could just keep the momentum, but he just didn't come in this year that the way that everybody wanted him to. Um, but that's, you know, not everybody follows every single athlete, and Hunter Labrada is just one that I follow. Um Brandon Curry, I've never been the biggest fan of him. I think he's always kind of come in soft, and I think it's partially because of being a part of Oxygen Gym, they kind of push the mass a bit too hard. Um, Oxygen Gym is a camp, basically stuff for for sports. If you refer to them as camps, um, it's a gym in Kuwait. Uh, I'm not. I think he's still with them, but basically they they took a few of the biggest guys, including Big Rami. They had Regan Grimes at one point um, for a little while, and they've had Brandon Curry for the longest time. Basically, six months out of the year, I think it's off season. He goes there, trains and just eats a shit ton and just takes a shit ton of gear. Cause Kuwait gear is, I think a different world. I think you get it legally and stuff like that. You get it at stores pretty much. Um, so they just pump them full of gear and they really like, they hook him up to machines and shit while he's training to watch his, you know, blood pressure, glucose, you know, everything you need to maintain, you know, a proper size. And, um, they really push him on that. So he, they really push the size, but the conditioning, he never really shows up. So, Um, fourth place for Brandon Curry is not surprising. Nick Walker being third is crazy to me. He went from fifth to third. Uh, I believe he got fifth last year, got third this year. Um, He came in lean. And I think – so he switched coaches, I want to say, like shortly into prep um, for the Olympia. He was with Dom, which I root for Dom. Um, I'm also kind of partial to Dom. But at the end of the day, I think that he – We will have a few years of Nick Walker. I will be surprised if he lives past 35. Uh, Nick Walker, um, for those that are involved in the community and may know a bit more about him, he's taking way too much gear, especially under... um, I think it's... um, Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Any other time you ask me, I could name him. Um, So he switched to his current coach. So basically he had his coach that he has now. Um, Then he moved to Dom because they had some sort of falling out or something like that. Um, But Matt Jansen, there it is, Matt Jansen. So they had him and Nick and Matt kind of had a falling out of some sort. And then he moved on to Dom. Dom kind of got him. Dom puts health above everything else. So he kind of got him back on a healthy path, but then Something happened between Dom and Nick, and uh, he uh, Nick went back to Matt. Um, I think that the common denominator there is Nick. I think that Nick is the problem, not necessarily coaches. But at the same time, Matt was pushing so many drugs on Nick that I think Nick kind of got used to it. So when he got off a lot of the drugs with Dom and got healthy, he kind of felt like shit and wasn't making the progress that he's used to because – He's so used to many, so many drugs. So that's just my opinion. Nick is, um, I think his overall structure is kind of overrated because he's so freakish. I don't think that men's open should be rewarding freakish looks, but I do. I will say that he's one of the freakish bodybuilders of all time. He's insanely crazy looking, but at the end of the day, I think third is pretty fair for his condition that he came in at. He came in pretty conditioned, but top two, I'm, I very much agree with, I very much agree that Hottie won. And then Derek Lunsford got second. I don't, I don't think that Derek should have gotten first, even if he brought the best package because he also hasn't paid his dues. And I think that, you know, that shouldn't really have a place in bodybuilding, but it does. And if you, you know, you haven't really been around for long enough to at least make your mark. And I think that being your first time in men's open, I think that even if you brought 1% better, I think that you should reward the person that's been there more consistently and has been consistently lean and sized like Hottie. So I think that Hottie was well-deserved, even though he did come in better than um, Derek, and I was rooting for Derek. It was very well-deserved win. So that is my gist of Men's Open for you, kind of like a 12, 13-minute rant right there, but yeah. definitely went off on Men's Open, and that's kind of where I'm at with it.
0: I think you brought up a really interesting point, too, that I want to get your further opinion on. But mm-hmm. uh, you talked about how Derek's first time placing second is a phenomenal feat, and that mm-hmm. even if he was, you know, let's say, add another 10 pounds muscle, diced up, should not have beaten Hottie. And I, you talked about, you know, putting in your dues and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that if an up-and-comer out of nowhere comes in and let's say this person trained for years and years and years and probably should have been competing in the Olympia, but didn't and Mm -hmm. just came out of nowhere and was the best looking person out there, like hands down, like, you know, I mean, we've talked about in the past how that first time that Ronnie won when he had that night out and he came in, everybody just knew. Mm -hmm. And let's say you have a first time competitor who comes in and you just know, do you think that they deserve it over, let's say. They put him in like this year and with everything that Hottie went through for the past, you know, five, six years of having to grind through the failures and the the robberies. And you have, again, hypothetical situation, but a guy who comes in that you just know is the best looking person in the world and it's their first time competing. Do you think that that has a place or that they still have to put in their their dues?
1: Yeah, I'll let me. I'll answer that in one second. Let me just correct what I was saying earlier. So Big Rami won 2020, 2021. I completely forgot he won 2020. Brandon Curry, 2019 was was a controversial one. So just want to correct that. And then I also want to correct that Ronnie Coleman and Lee Haney won eight. I was correct there, but Arnold and Phil Heath both won seven. So I thought Phil Heath won eight. He won seven. I do remember that he was trying to fight to get eight so he can be tied for first with number of Olympias. So just want to correct that real quick to answer your question. That's a different conversation because what never really happens is someone who comes in for their first time so far beyond everybody else that they went first um, um, because it takes so much like it's such a different stage to everywhere else that to get dialed into the point where you're just going to take first for your first time is never going to really happen. Something else to mention is that Ronnie Coleman didn't just show up and win first. He was competing. Well, I, I know. While. I know. Yeah, so like there are times where they will show up and you'll just know who's gonna win, but most likely, like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I don't know if it's ever happened before, where it's their first time competing in the Olympia, but almost every single time it's never their first time in the Olympia. So granted, Derek was competing in two twelve for a while. He also he did never compete in men's open. And men's open is a different stage than two twelve. Um, and just different requirements for the overall win. So I don't think it's ever going to happen where someone is going to come so far ahead that it's a no brainer. But if somebody does come that far ahead, you know, they had the size, the conditioning, the physique, the stage presence, they had everything to a T and were just much further ahead than everybody else. Then absolutely. They deserve the win. Um, But it's never that cut and dry. There's a lot more gray areas, a lot more fluidity there uh, when it comes to who's going to win and who doesn't because at the end of the day like like we were talking about earlier it's entirely subjective so if it's cut and dry to where everybody's like yeah he absolutely needs to win even though this is the first time then 100 percent deserves it but if it's like it could go either way first or second and it's their first time they're probably going to get second because they haven't put in the time to get that it's kind of like a hierarchy kind of thing um you know so that's that's kind of something to, t- to take into account Nick Walker being third on, I think his second Olympia it was, it's still pretty astounding. Um, that's his second overall Olympia. He never competed in any of the Olympias before that. And I think it was 2020 that he won his first pro show. He got pro then immediately won a pro show after that. So Nick Walker's really made leaps and bounds from 2020, 2022 and, Not to mention even that he was even really known in the beginning of 2020. Like nobody even talked about him in 2020. Then Nick Walker had a video about, not Nick Walker, sorry. Nick Strength and Power had a video about, um, it was like titled like uh, craziest non-pro bodybuilder ever. And it was Nick Walker and that's really what skyrocketed him in popularity and then he won the pro show that um, also chainsaw won that i mentioned earlier he won masters so he won that show to get pro and then he competed and i think it might have been the new york pro i forget what show it was i think it was new york pro and then he followed that up later that year with the arnold i believe it was and he won the Arnold and that was really what set him off it was like okay this guy's a real fucking contender because he just made pro this year and now he's winning the Arnold so one thing to take into account there's obviously all the European shows like the the Arnold in Spain and um, you know universe and whatnot or at least what used to be the universe so there's a lot more there's other big shows but the second biggest show that people consider at least the second biggest show is the Arnold Um, and then typically after that it's like you know, European Arnold competition and then maybe like the New York Pro are kind of tired for third. New York Pro is a pretty big show as well, but Arnold is the second biggest. It's it's like the, you know, it's like the minor league uh, Olympia. Um, So sometimes a lot of Olympian competitors who are qualified for the Olympia typically not always compete in the Arnold. Some might, some don't. Um, If you're going to be competing for top three, most likely you're not going to be touching the Arnold. Because that's just going to kind of most likely pull away from your Olympia physique. Um, But the Arnold, I believe, takes place in October. So it's kind of a good way of like getting lean um, to a certain degree, you know, coming in maybe 90% of the Arnold, then continuing holding that physique, you know, have have a rebound week, kind of put on, you know, a couple pounds and then shed it right all back off with your increased metabolism and then come in even better for the Olympia a couple months later. So that's one route that people go, but not typically if you're competing for third, uh, top three. I mean, everybody who's top three uh, is most likely just focusing on the Olympia. Chris Bumstead, um, Hadi Chupin, Big Rami, Urs, uh, I believe, uh, Ramon. I think they all focus entirely on the Olympia. Uh, so they didn't compete in any of the shows. They were qualified right off the bat from last year. So uh, they didn't really focus on anything else. I believe it might be top five of each division is automatically qualified for next year. Um, It used to be just first, but I believe it's top five now is what I've heard. At least top three is automatically qualified. So something else to take into account too is that you have to qualify for the Olympia. How that works is certain shows. So it's part of the IFBB Pro League and certain shows will give you points. And when you build up to a certain number of points – uh, when you're in a certain standing, you become qualified for the Olympia. Certain shows could be Olympia qualifiers, uh, where you get qualified from that show and also placing in the qual in the Olympia is also a way of getting qualified. I want to say the Arnold is an Olympia qualifier. So I think if you win the Olympia in your class, at least you're, or this, sorry, the Arnold, you get qualified for the Olympia. Um, so there's, you have to earn your way to the Olympia. It's not like you can just start showing up to the Olympia and start competing So you have to win pro shows and you have to win a certain enough pro show, a certain amount of pro shows for points to then be qualified for the Olympia. Um, So that's something to take into account too. It's not something you just automatically get to. It takes a lot of effort to get there the first time. And then you can typically get there easier after that. Imagine uh, they,
0: they allow someone with enough money to buy their way in and everybody there is diced up and just absolutely looking great. And then there's just some billionaire who, you know, gave like yeah. a million or two and it just does not belong. Like he's got the dad bod and everything. That's,
1: so. So anybody who watches F1, that's what's happened. It used to be like the best of the best racers, but then it got to the point where you can literally buy your seat and it's so exciting. Yeah. So I really hope that bodybuilding doesn't get to that point where you can start buying your way into shows because that would be ridiculous. I can understand like, you know, buying your way to like be the guy that holds up the arms of the competitors or like being a huge sponsor and like um getting an athlete in there that might not have qualified, but at least you paid so much money that the show happened because if you get an athlete in there or something like that, I can understand that. But like to be the guy who's like, yeah, I'll pay for x amount of money so i can compete and just shows up like a fat lard They're like <laughs> that's just disrespectful to the athletes who actually tried and that happened at the um where was it recently that happened uh it wasn't a hurricane well, even
0: even uh even like if you came in like my my side of things like lifestyle fitness and like you know like take like for example me and like yeah. i'm fairly decently um like for lifestyle fitness, I'm fairly decently built. And even if I went on there, I would be absolutely fucking destroyed. But that's just the funny part of thinking about if someone had the ability to buy their way in.
1: Yeah. And it, it's a it's a wild concept that you ask that because it's it happens in other sports. So, you know, who is to say it's not ever going to happen in bodybuilding? Um, but I think with bodybuilding's popularity lately, uh, it's definitely going to be... Not, it, it, I don't think it's going to happen just because there's so much backing now to it especially cuz of social media that you know they're not they don't really require the funding anymore um it used to be like you know bodybuilding especially like in Arnold's day there was no money in it you know the the Arnold was working like two like other jobs on top of um his bodybuilding because there was just no money there it just wasn't there yet uh you know there is there are prizes for bodybuilding shows and stuff like that but it was definitely not enough to live off of so back then it would have been way more like way more possible to have you know a competitor buy their way in but nowadays there's a lot of funding and i think that it's not something that they necessarily need Um, but there was a show recently that i'm trying to find what show it was okay here it is um npc nationals so that was in florida I completely forgot. NPCs. The yeah. So NPC is, it's a weird, so the NPC and it's a non-player IFBB. character. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. They're all just computers competing. <laughs> um, so NPC in IFBB is like kind of like, um, like kind of like a parent and child, like company essentially. So NPC is like amateur only organizations, that's run by the IFBB. So it's kind of like an NPC is the child organization of IFBB and IFBB is like the professional league. So it's kind of like saying like the differences between AAA and double AA and stuff like that in other sports. Um, so you move your way through the NPC when you're pro card, and then you compete in the IFBB international federation of bodybuilding. Um, so that's what, that's how the NPC versus IFBB works. NPC um, there was a show in Florida, The NPC Nationals. Um, My coach won overall last year for Men's Physique. He didn't compete in the Nationals. Wait, did he compete in the Nationals? I I don't think he competed in the Nationals. No, no. No, he didn't compete in the Nationals. This was like two weeks ago. Um, He won last year, got his pro card. Um, It's a big honor to win overall, so I was very excited for him. But this year, there's a competitor in the NPC Nationals who didn't even look like a bodybuilder. He just looked like some dude who just showed up. But the thing (sighs) is... The thing is, is to co- to qualify for the NPC Nationals, you have to win top five, I think, of another NPC show or something like that. It's some stupid requirement. It's so easy to get. So, like, as long as he showed up, I think, like, for his class, he could have been the only one competing in his class. And gets the invite. Gets the invite, essentially. Yeah. So, he showed up. This dude looked terrible. Like, it's... like no offense to him he just was not a bodybuilder he just was not a guy who's represents the world of bodybuilding so when he showed up on stage a lot of these guys found it offensive because they're like we put all this effort and work into looking the best we can and this dude's able to step on stage next to us and look this way so it, it's definitely a bit controversial there um you know all the power to the guy who stepped on stage because he technically earned his way there and he just you know be be like that's the old like uh, hate the player not or hate the game not the player and well yeah you know, if, if there's
0: if there's a system in place there's a way to manipulate the system that goes exactly for
1: anything. and that's what he did um, so here I'll show you a photo that's what he looked like
0: he's got no back definition
1: <laughs> he just you know he just he has he has so much like I'm sure if he got down to lean state just like anybody else he'd look good he has muscle mass you can tell he has muscle under there and I'm sure he trains but he did not it's like he just it was like an open it's like he was off season and then just showed up like middle yeah. of off season and not even just like any off season like a dirty dirty bulk off season like like really just ate mcdonald's every single day kind of off season and then just showed up on stage like that's what it looks like and you know if he played the game right you know fair to him but he you know he stepped on stage because he earned it and that's just how it is and hate the hate the game not the player Um, so, you know, it happens and, you know, people could potentially one day buy themselves in, but, you know, over the past 10 years, the popularity has really grown. The divisions have drastically changed, especially men's physique, which we'll dive into men's physique has drastically changed over the years. Even the past 10 years is so different from 10 years ago to now, um, that it's going to just get bigger and better each year and there's going to be more funding and, I mean the 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 even there was like actual um, prizes for each competitor is more and more each year overall. So it's really exciting to see that, um, but it's also more open to scrutiny for that reason, and more people trying to capitalize on it because now there is money in bodybuilding. You know there is money in having a social media presence and having a good physique and all of that. So there are those that manipulate it, and there are those that um, you know look good on social and don't look good on stage and you got to make your decision what you want to look like. And, um, for those that are in bodybuilding, you know, there's plenty of bodybuilders that look phenomenal in social media and just get decimated on stage. I mean, there's one YouTuber, I forget his name. I don't follow him at all. He competes in men's physique and he's had five, four or five series on his YouTube of what's called road to pro. You were telling and, me about this. Yeah. Okay. And he lost every single time and hasn't made pro. And it's because he has a good social media look. So he has all this confidence that he's going to win, but then he just doesn't have the stage presence or the stage look. And what matters is the stage look. Um, So Sebum, someone like Sebum is the the exception. He looks phenomenal on social media and on stage, but uh, you got to pick and choose. And, you know, a lot of these guys who are on social media who want to compete in bodybuilding don't realize what size and weight you actually need and what you need to go through because typically when you're getting ready for a show, you're not going to look good and that's not going to reflect well on social media. Um, and so like for instance, there was a video I was watching recently where the guy, this guy was saying, look, you know, on social media, these guys might look huge, but at the end of the day, these guys are like 150, 170 pounds at the most, just lean. So they, they take to the right angles, they take the right photos and they look huge. But like for myself, I'm like 197 right now Give or take, uh, depending on the day. Um, and like even though I don't think that I have a good physique, if I were to really lean down, I'd look bigger than those dudes who are 170 on social media because me lean would be like dice for a show would be higher than 170. So kind of straight from topic here, but yeah, so that's kind of the state right now. And the stage presence is a huge thing. I mean, Rami is a good example of what we're talking about right now, is that he looks phenomenal in photos and videos and look dice to the gills like 10 weeks out. But then he just didn't show up right. And that's just typical Romney behavior. Uh, you know, prior to 2020, that's what he pulled every single year. He'd look amazing. Everybody predict him for the win. And then he'd just show up just subpar and he just would not win. Um, he'd come close, usually like top five. He was pretty consistent top five competitor, but he did not ever come in the way that his photos and videos looked. And um, it's really disappointing for that fact because everybody was sure Romney was going to win this year. He won two years in a row he looked even better in photos and videos this year than he ever looked. And then he steps on stage and it's like, what the fuck happened? So just also, well, I think
0: that, I think that brings up an interesting point too. Um, and I'm going to make, I'm going to compare the, the judging to a jury selection. So yeah. when you get selected for a jury, you get asked all these questions about the case at hand for basically to determine if you have a bias and <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> In the if you if you show that you have any bias, you know you get taken off the jury and you just go home. Mm-hmm. When it comes to judging for you know the Olympia or Arnold or any of these other big uh, competitions that you just mentioned, it's kind of impossible to ignore a bias because if you are that deep into the world, you obviously will have some physique that you you know have preference over another. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. I'm wondering from, you know, just the observer side of things how that momentum actually applies to, you know, the judging. So for example, Sebum now picked up his fourth year in a row. Mm-hmm. And I I think looking at the physiques, I mean, I I think out of the top 5 that were there, Sebum absolutely cleaned house. Um I I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about men's classic in a, in a bit, but I think that Um, With him being the four-time champ now, he has this momentum, he has such a following, and I feel like there is no way to avoid at least one of the judges having a preference. So I'm wondering how much of that momentum is actually applied into into the judging, because, I don't know, I just... I I think that for someone to we've talked about like dethroning, like when Jay Cutler dethroned Ronnie or something like that, like you have to have had your own momentum and somehow overtake the momentum train of the other person. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's an interesting thing to think about for our current state with Sebum, how he has such a ride, like such a train going and how can someone overtake that? Like Mm -hmm. we have, we have the social media presence, we have his consistent winning, we have his stage presence and that's not to discredit anybody else, but how does someone overtake that? Because I feel like it does not all come down to physique. I don't know. I want your opinion on that though.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point is that the judges obviously are the entire deciding factor and no matter we're, we're, we're all human here that's the thing with the judges is that you need to give them some some grace because we're all human and there's going to be bias and when a judge is a fan of an athlete it's going to happen and you know they might say oh I'm not going to show any bias or anything like that but subconsciously they're probably going to show some sort of bias so it is kind of hard to break that you know cycle of a winner compete you know winning from year over year and um, you know, looking back at the past Mr. Olympias, I do want to correct myself. Jake didn't win for four years in a row. He won 06, 07, and then 09, 10 Dexter Jackson, won 08 Dexter Jackson is also a good example of someone who paid his dues because he, he competed for 20 Olympias, 20 years. He competed in Mr. Olympia. Um, very, very huge accomplishment there. I think he was done 2019. I think might've been his last year, no later than 2020. So I think it was one of those years, but, um, yeah, you're gonna have different um, you're definitely gonna have different phases essentially of judging, uh, for instance, because like you're gonna have the judges who preferred size over everything, and that's kind of where the Dorian Yates and Ronnie Coleman came from. But then you're gonna have judges who kind of rewarded, you know more aesthetics, which was prior to Dorian Yates era. You know, you got like Arnold, Franco Columbo, um, Chris Dickerson, Frank Zane. Stuff like that—they're way more aesthetic than you know any other, like mass monsters is what they're called—and um, they're also way more. I almost want to say, I imagine they were way more passionate because the money wasn't there. You know, now that the money's there, there's a bit more motivation for this industry. But back in the day, I mean, fucking Arnold's—the most he ever won for the Olympia was twenty-five grand in nineteen eighty. But prior to that he won 1974 19 so 1970 through 1975 he won the olympias and he the most he was rewarded out of that strain from 70 to 75 he won 2500 <laughs> that's like you're nothing
0: doing, you're doing it just for pride just for yeah, pride it's, and it's honor
1: for the love of the sport is what it is yeah. and he won um you know those years in a row so like clearly the money isn't there there's no money in bodybuilding back then so you know, there there just wasn't. You know, the people who were involved with it did it for the sheer love of doing it. You know, there it was. It wasn't. I don't even think it was. I don't think it was televised. I mean, fucking TVs were barely around back then. Um, you were lucky if you had a TV in your your, your house back then. Um, so it wasn't really televised. It, it was really just shown in like the manga, You know, certain select magazines, and for those that just went to the show, it's kind of like sh- going to like you know, some like small time martial arts competition, it's like really the only people who know what happens to the people who went. So that's what ends up happening at those Olympias. But then over the years, I mean, since 2015, the winners of the Mr. Olympia for men's open won won $400,000. I mean, just winning the Olympia each year, you can live a phenomenal life.
0: You said 400,000 for the men's open?
1: Yes, for the winners. Men's, the
0: Cla- Men's classic was 50k. That's yes. such a severe drop off.
1: Well, listen to this. So, those second place to Mister Olympia was 150 grand. So, <laughs> second to first is obviously a huge thing in money. But then again, if you're winning top three or even top five Mister Olympia, you got so much money in sponsorships. You're not really worried about how much money you win from the Olympia. Like these guys are bringing true. in, like each of these guys for sponsorships. I'd be surprised if Hadi is making less than like, like 30 K a month in sponsorships. Like I'd be very surprised. Uh, So these guys make, they make bank, Uh, you know, they, they got these sponsorships. They got these endorsements. I mean, even oxygen gym, I think oxygen pays Brandon Curry, like 500 grand a year or some shit to train at his gym or like oxygen's gym and like compete for them under their umbrella. And You know who? I think you know who fucking owns Oxygen is some like prince in Kuwait. Like he's just a guy who loves bodybuilding. The dude doesn't even fucking train. The guy who runs the gym doesn't even work out. He just loves the (laughs) art of bodybuilding. Like he was talking about it in a Generation Iron documentary. Oxygen Gym is just state of the art. I'd love to train there one day. Like I want to go to Kuwait just to train at the gym, just to try it out. But like he was talking about how he just loves the sport. And he just loves it it's like you know it's it's like anybody who watches football or baseball or something but has never played the sport you just find it entertaining like i watch f1 but i've never raced a car in my life i just love the sport i love watching it and that's how it is for him so he just brandon just fucking makes bank you know each year just for training at oxygen and working under their umbrella and that opened a lot of doors for him as far as like other sponsorships as well because everybody who's coming out of oxygen is typically a strong competitor when it comes to the Olympia. Um, but uh, so to answer so your question, you're, is, you're
0: saying, you're saying I need to gun for an empire uh, sponsorship.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just, just have empire be the next oxygen in the U S and you'll be set for <laughs> life. Um, good luck with that though, because that's Jim's like millions of dollars. Um, oxygen is, I mean, there's so much, well, money I know, I know. I'm it. just, I'm just, poking yeah. it. <laughs> but um, so, The, so I, there is obviously like bias, you know, don't get me wrong. There's, there's going to be some bias. There's going to be, you know, they're human. So we're going to disagree with some of their, their results and some of the, what people think is ideal for the, for the winner, for the winners. Um, You know, looking back, there are controversial wins, like I've mentioned, but at the end of the day, I think that this year I truly agree with how they resulted in the Olympia, not classic. I didn't agree with classic, which we'll talk about, but men's open definitely agree with that. I'm I'm so so happy for that. Uh, the results I think came in like between like eleven and midnight last night, and I was asleep by then, um, or around then, so I didn't really pay attention to the results. I didn't see them till this morning, but um, I'm so happy with the results of Mister Olympia, which never really happens for me at least. So very happy. With I that. was
0: <laughs> I was just about calling it a day. It was around midnight, maybe like twelve thirty, and I just did one last sweep of my socials just to clear out my notifications, and I saw that Sebum had posted his uh, metal picture. Yeah,
1: so yeah, uh, I looked up all the Instagrams of all the people that competed, and I yeah. was like, okay, now I see Sebum winning. So okay, so now let's dive into classic because this yeah, is what I'm really classic. excited about. So classic. Before, I was uh-huh. I was
0: gonna say before you go and release your 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 boner, but uh, before <laughs> we before we get into that, uh. Yeah. Is there a, because I, I've seen, uh, pictures of c uh, weighing in and whatnot, is there a weight difference between men's open and men's classic?
1: Absolutely. And that's the biggest deciding factor. Um, I think it's 240 for uh, men's classic. Up. It's based off height. So, okay. So here, this is the IFBB pros website, which I think runs the Olympia. So it's entirely based off of height for classic physique. So this let me is know you for... know what
0: my weight has to be under for six four <laughs>
1: okay so you' if you're if you're six four so it's usually one inch and then up to the next inch so for six three up to and including six four you're weigh in weight get ready for this ready I, I have to this be under it you have,
0: have to, to be, be under, under it under or...
1: two fifty five up to and including two hundred fifty five pounds so you'd okay. be absolutely fucking massive on stage for so, classic. Z. So
0: so my my goal of 245 would be fine.
1: <laughs> absolutely. You would definitely be able to compete in classic technically. That's lean though. We're talking lean, like off-season stage 245 or off-season 245 then lean you would be you would look small. Uh just yeah. because of the weight difference. But when it comes to classic Seabums on the taller end and he's what 6'1", right?
0: He's 6'1", yeah.
1: Yeah, so he has to be under he's up to and including two hundred and thirty pounds. So okay. so these weight caps people argue shouldn't there shouldn't be weight caps in classic physique. Then I argue what's the point of having classic if you're gonna have weight if you're not gonna have weight caps? Cause then that's just men's open. That's the yeah. point of men's open, is that there is no weight cap. So what's the stop? men's open competitors from competing in classic physique like Derek Lunsford competing in classic physique. He would look like make everybody look small. Like that's just, there's a reason for the weight caps. There's a reason for the weight caps. And it's so that you have this classic physique look. There's a look to classic physique that they go for. And that's what these weight caps are for. So, That's the the differentiating decider for for classic physique. And you have to come into these weights and you have to. So the weigh-in typically happens the day before the competition. So I think Olympia is actually a two-day competition for most divisions. I think definitely um, men's open and classic, I think, are two days. Definitely men's open. Classic, I'm not 100% sure about. I don't usually watch the live stream. I watch the highlights and results and everything. Um, And the posing routines after the fact. I don't have all day to sit there and watch it. Um, but with that being said, um, I want to say classic was two days. Men's open was definitely two days. So it's a different ball game. The most, most shows, cause how it works is typically weigh in the night before, like usually around 5. PM the night before the show, but then for the Olympia it's two days. So it might be the morning of Friday, then you do your prejudging Friday night and then your routine and finals on Saturday. And then the actual deciding results on Saturday. So, I so whenever they, um, Wonder if they actually weigh in, I think might be Friday. So you gotta you gotta be at that weight for the weigh in time, which you find out for your division. So it doesn't matter how heavy or light you come in for the actual pre judging and finals and all that. All that matters is you hit your weight at weigh in, just like any you know, yeah. like every like single UFC fight. Yes, exactly. What I was going to mention, UFC. As long as you come into that weight for the weigh in, you're good. After that, they drink a gallon of water, put on some weight, and then they're bigger. Huge. Yeah, they're bigger for the actual fight. So. <laughs> That's that's how it works here in a sense. Obviously, you kind of want to stay relatively the same weight. You don't want to get bloated or watered out, you know, or anything like that. So, um, you know, they stay pretty close to the same weight. But you want to make sure you're under that weight when you show up to the uh, when you show up to the weigh-in. So that's really when you need to be your most dehydrated and lightest is then. And then you want there's obviously a science to it. Um, so there's more to it than just like you know than just showing up the right weight and then doing whatever after it's, you know, might have like a few sips of water after a little bit of food. Then the next day you wake up and try to look the best you can, regardless of your weight. So that's how it works. So the, the classic physique weight cap is really what sets it apart. Um, you know, typically when it comes to classic, you're going to see guys on the taller side, guys on the taller side are the ones who typically have the more classic look, extremely small waist, extremely wide shoulders, uh, Chris Bumstead is basically the perfect example of a classic physique look, at least this year. Last year, I think he fell short. I think Terrence Ruffin should have won, and we're going to talk about that as well. But um, C-Bum this year was well-deserved. So for the results this year, Chris absolutely deserved it. Once I saw Chris, I was like, fuck, there's no beating that. Like, that is such a phenomenal look. He came in the best he's ever looked. And, like, I can't even describe how, like, godly he looked this year and you know i you know naturally we want to root for the underdog when somebody's winning for multiple years in a row um chris bomstead kind of became a meme so there's a lot of people rooting for him i always kind of like there's a, other physiques that i think are better than his in my opinion like there's other physiques i'd rather have than chris Bombstead's, especially offseason and not on stage on stage you know there's no beating chris like everybody wants his physique especially this year, but us off, off stage and social media and stuff like that. I think there's better physiques, uh, but on stage, he just comes in perfect. And this year it was such a good decision to move away from. So his brother-in-law is Ian Vier. I believe I get, I get him and Antoine Ev mixed up. I don't know why I think it's Ian Vier is his brother-in-law and that's how Chris Bumstead got into bodybuilding. So Ian Vier is, um, let me just make sure i'm mentioning the right person cuz i always get them mixed up um yeah so ian vayer is chris Bomstead's brother-in-law he married her, his sister chris Bomstead's sister the reason chris bumstead got into bodybuilding is because of ian ian saw him you know chris when, sometimes you're just you're just gifted with mu- muscle mass and all of that and chris just looked amazing as it was. And
0: I've seen, I've seen pictures of C bum at 18 and it's, yeah,
1: Yeah, obviously people argue whether or not he was natural back then. Um, There's plenty of guys I went to high school with that weren't natural. Uh, And it's not hard to get gear when you're a kid, Um, even a teenager. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was taking a little bit of test. I don't think he needed to take a lot to get the physique that he got. Uh, But I think that, that's obviously another controversial story, controversial conversation, but um, he looked amazing as it was. And regardless of whatever he might've been hypothetically taking, he still looked way beyond any 18 year old ever looks. And sometimes you can just tell when somebody's destined for bodybuilding and he just was. And that's what Ian was saying to him. He said, look, you're just destined for bodybuilding and I'll be your coach and we'll get you to a good place. And under Ian's wing, Chris won three Olympias for classic physique and, Um, you know, it was a great, you know, relationship that they had, but I think at the end of the day, Chris kind of outgrew Ian and 2021 Olympia kind of showed that. I think that Chris and Chris and the division itself were kind of going in a direction that Ian couldn't really keep up with as far as his knowledge goes. Ian is a phenomenal bodybuilder. I just think that, um, knowing the, the way that people work in this industry and knowing the ins and outs for the most part is that Ian just kind of didn't have the expertise to, to help Chris proceed with his physique and get bigger and better. So he ended up transitioning to... Um, let me see who it was. I'm looking at it right here. Um, so Ian is no longer his prep coach. So Chris Bumstead started working with Honey Rambod. Hani Rambod is a very very famous bodybuilding coach he's right up there with like chris aceto uh so honey rambod uh is now chris's coach and it showed fucking night and day when he was under honey rambod because he came in this year absolutely amazing and just honey just knew exactly what to do with his physique and I'm really excited for Chris in that sense that he made the right decision because transitioning coaches, especially when you've been with Ian for so long and have won so much like the Olympia, there's no going beyond that. There's no higher place. And he talked about how like sad it kind of is to have won the Olympia because now there's nothing else to strive for. Now you just maintain, you just got to keep it well,
0: going. You you strive to break the the eight. If you can well, beat the eight, then that's the uh, thing you're in a league of your own.
1: Yeah, that's the thing with Classic though is that he's already broken the record. Classic and Mr. Olympia's started in 2016. Yeah. So, there is no beating eight Olympias. Granted, if he won 8 or 9, he would technically have the most Mr. Olympia titles in men's comp- competing uh but in it's women's like men's open. Yeah, it's not men's open, but in women's competing or Mr. Olympia there is a female bodybuilder. She competed in like the top women's one. I don't even think it's around anymore. I forget what it's called. It might still be there. I'm not sure, but she won nine. I forget her name. She owns a powerhouse gym in Vegas now with her husband, who's also a competitor. I don't think he competes anymore, but she won nine. So she technically, she has the record, which is great for her. She put in a lot of effort and I'm, I don't know where her health is, but there's no fucking way in hell. She isn't, it was in a good place after nine fucking Olympias. But anyways, if Sebum was were to break that record it would be huge but it wouldn't be men's open. It's not like he's a Mr. Olympia, he's Mr. Olympia Classic Physique. So, that's another conversation there for him to have with himself, but he did talk about how like there is no bigger and better show. He has now won the cream of the crop, you know, there's no better show. So, at the same time, it's also would have been hard for him to switch coaches because he's gone so far with Ian and Ian's got him to the literally the top show three times in a row. And well there's also it.
0: the emotion the emotional attachment too because oh, absolutely. I mean, this isn't just a regular coach, this is a family member.
1: Yeah, it's a brother in law, and I know that they ended it on good terms because they're still close and they had a interview about it and they were smiling and laughing and at the end of the day it's it's very emotional. I mean, anytime you leave a coach, you know, I've left a coach in the past and it is very emotional because, you know, that coach is there by your side through your entire journey. And, you know, my I like if I ever leave my coach I'm with now you know, it would be very emotional because we've been through so much and there's, we've been through, you know, times where my body's reacted negatively to things and has reacted amazingly. And there's times where, you know, he had to keep me in check and there's times where he, you know, was proud of me for just, you know, for making the strides that I have. So there's a lot more to it than just, it's like any sport sporting coach, you know, I'm sure that, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady splitting was, was emotional. You know, it's, you build this connection with someone who's there by your side and, you know, coaching you to a better place and then to move on to somebody else. It is a lot to, to go through, I'm sure. And especially for seabum you know, there is, you know, probably no more emotional place than being at the place that he was when it comes to switching coaches. And at the same time, it's also so risky because you have no idea how this next coach is going to be, but he's at least able to work with Hani Rambod who's known for being an amazing coach so Hani was able to take him to the right place and it was a phenomenal decision to get with Hani and do this show uh under Hani's wing and he made a phenomenal decision so with that being said Chris came in absolutely amazing now to continue onto my controversial opinion this is going to probably raise some you know eyebrows or maybe start some conversations Um, if you're listening to this, Ramon did not deserve second. I will Uh, die on
0: this. This is where we're going to (laughs) fight. So Ramon,
1: I respect him. He looked good. He came in lean. He does not have the physique for second place. That is my opinion. He does not have the classic look. Where I think he could definitely be a great contender is he puts on some size. He needs some size, kind of a little overall, all around his body, especially his back. And he needs to fix his fucking vacuum. His vacuum pisses me off. Like you when you're in classic, men's open's a different different world. You don't really need to have that strong of a vacuum pose. But his vacuum is so fucking whack. And you know, people are gonna disagree with that. And that's totally fair. It's entirely subjective. I just think that if you're competing on the classic stage, I think you need to have your vacuum dialed the fuck in. And I think that you need to really have a strong vacuum. And if you don't, you're going to be set apart. And that's the reason I think that to me, Ramon really should not have gotten second because he doesn't have his vacuum dialed in. And at the same time, he just does not have the look. He doesn't have the classic look. Uh, So I think personally, the way he should have placed looking at the results of the classic physique is I think this is so this is this is what I think. So, I think who – I always ever see freaking top five. So, let me look up the Classic Physique top ten because there's a guy there. I forgot his fucking name. Um, uh, Olympia. Um, so, top ten for this year. Fucking, it's all qualified. Um, I had his name earlier. I forget his name. There's a there's a competitor who I believe plays sixth. I, I I don't think it was Terrence Ruffin that plays sixth. I think he placed seventh. I could be wrong. Um, yeah. So Fabian Mayer, that's his name. Fabian Mayer. Um, he should have gotten higher than he did. He is like sebum without the popularity. Is what I thought he kind of looked like on stage. So Fabian Mayer, M-A-Y-R, he looked amazing. Um, I think that Fabian should have, looking at his conditioning, his legs needed a little bit more conditioning, uh, and his upper body needed a slight bit more conditioning, but his structure is phenomenal. I think what should have happened was, I think Ramon should have gotten this is how I would have placed it. I think it should have been Chris Bumstead, then Urs Kalisinski for second. Then I'm kind of on the fence of Brian being third or Fabian being third. And then whoever gets fourth out of that, then Ramon getting fifth. And then Mike Summerfield, not even being in the top five. I'm surprised he even got top five.
0: Yeah. Uh, when I, when I watched the, uh, their routines and I saw Mike, it was, I mean, you know, he has the size, but for when I was looking at him, he has no tone. Like, it's, yeah. it, the size is there, but there was no, like, I, I saw it specifically in his in his shoulders and in his uh, chest ab section. Like, there was just no true definition there. He had size. Don't get me wrong. He looked like a unit, but it wasn't cut and diced.
1: Yes. So, Mike, um, why am I drawing a blank? Mike, okay, is it S-O-M? Summerfield. Yeah, yes, it's S O looking his photos and I typed in S U M. So it's funny he because for looks, for for a German dude,
0: that's such a like beta name. It's like- such an American
1: name, Summerfield. <laughs> um, so hit like off stage and in photos, this dude has such an amazing physique. He looks so good. Um, but on stage, the problem was his midsection was just washed out. So that's why it was so surprising that he ended up getting the placing that he did. Let alone first call out. Um, first call out was even surprising, and, and that was that's where the controversy kind of comes in. Is he, you know, people like Mike or people who see Mike on stage and they're like, mm, I don't know if he should have gotten it. Like that's where the controversy comes from. Is that it's like he came in great. Don't get me wrong. He looked really good and. I would only strive for, I could only strive for a physique like Mike's. Don't get me wrong. You know, we're talking about people who I'm hoping to look like one day. So, you know, I'm not trying to be like that guy who's like, who knows everything about bodybuilding. These are just all my opinion. Um, And I can't speak on any of this from experience. I've obviously never competed in, you know, Olympia. I'm going to start competing next year in men's physique. And so like these guys are just way bigger than me, obviously. So there's more to it than just meets the eye. He has a phenomenal physique. His lat insertions are amazing. His arms are ginormous. Uh, his arms are insane. But his midsection is just where I think that he should have gotten more dialed in. If he if he had a more diced midsection and wasn't so washed out, he would have looked much better. But that's just my opinion. Um, so at the end of the day, I think that Fabian should have gotten either third or fourth. Same with Breon, third or fourth. I'm not a fan of Breon's look. I've never been a fan of his. So that's just I, I'm just placing him there because I know that. You know he deserves out of conditioning, but just his overall structure, I'm not the biggest fan of. But I think that Ramon should have gotten fifth, and I just, it's, I just really don't like the way uh, Ramon looks. I just don't think he has the classic look. I think he is just like a he looks like a bigger men's physique competitor. and mm, that's well, career. I was
0: thinking when I, uh, I don't know, uh, sorry, I I was thinking uh, Completely thought we forgot we were talking about Breon, but Mike, yeah. I was thinking like uh, size-wise, men's open is is a lot better fit if he just adds more size mm. because I don't mm. know me personally, I just see the the size and how it wasn't as diced, and I think that there's potential to just pack on serious yeah. size on top of that and just work with that. Uh, I don't know, obviously, me not having the as you know in-depth understanding of the sport as you do, but when I see Mike, compared to the other top five people there, I thought that, you know, a lot more size, throw them in men's open.
1: Yeah, so looking at this, the pre-judging photos, oh my God, Ramon's vacuum just pisses me off. Anyways, um, uh-huh. so looking at the pre-judging photos, I think that, yeah, Fabian looks amazing. I think Fabian deserved more. So Mike, so the thing with Classic is, Here's the thing. So when it comes to bodybuilding, you're going to have a structure for one of the divisions. Typically, not multiple. Derek Lunsford moving from 212 to Mr. Olympia. I think 212 is more of like a stepping stone because 212 and Men's Olymp- or Men's Open is kind of like it, it's 212 is smaller Men's Open is really what it is. So in a sense, it's kind of the same judging. It's just a different size of person. So. You can essentially make the transition from 212 to Mr. Olympia or Men's Open pretty easily. But for someone who's like Men's Physique versus Classic versus Men's Open, you're going to have completely different structures. So, someone who competes in Men's Physique on the pro stage, typically speaking, doesn't really work into Classic. Um, and then Classic typically doesn't work in a Men's Open because Men's Open, you kind of have to be born with the size capabilities of getting Men's Open. You know, there's, there are guys who are just put on muscle mass, like no tomorrow. And those are the guys who belong in men's open. Classic physique is arguably, in my opinion, the harder one to hit because you have to be able to put on a decent amount of size and at the same time have an amazing structure. So to go from classic to men's open is kind of, kind of pushing your, your physique because you'd have to put on way more muscle size and overall muscle mass. And on top of that, you're going to start compromising your structure because originally your structure wasn't necessarily designed for men's open. So I wouldn't argue that Mike deserves to, or belongs in men's open. I just think that Mike should have came in more conditioned. Uh, looking at his physique, you know there are certain poses that look good, but I think that his legs look a little less conditioned. His midsection is not the best. Um, he needs to get his. Overall, he needs to get his abdominal uh, muscle bellies in check because his muscle bellies just really aren't there when it comes to abs. But that's one thing that Chris has that's a phenomenal is his abs section is just um, um, absolutely amazing. His abs are just beautiful. And he has his physique or his uh, vacuum, sorry, his vacuum just dialed in. So he just knows exactly how to pose. And his, that's also another reason Chris said is so far ahead is that his posing is just next level and posing is such a place, such a big routine. And that's why I argue that Ramon didn't deserve second, but that's just my opinion. Um, well watching
0: the, uh, the, their poses, even the length that they do their poses for like Bumstead's up there for a solid, like minute, minute and a half, almost two minutes. And then when I watched, uh, like Urs was, was only like 30 seconds, 45 site, like they're yeah. not, they weren't up there for nearly the same amount of time. And, uh, yeah. I Obviously, that comes from your, your routine and having the comfortability and being because it's a workout to do. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So I think that in itself speaks to, you know, and obviously, I don't know how the judging works per se, but I feel like if you can pose for longer, that should give you more, you know, weight
1: in terms of your, your like point system. I think that I, I see what you're saying. I just would argue that it's more about quality versus quantity when it comes to, well, Oh yeah, I'm not,
0: I'm not say, taking anything away from that. I'm just yeah. saying if you're able to pose for three minutes and it's like top tier posing, that speaks yeah. super highly of your, I, agree. Your,
1: I can, I can know. see what you mean by that. But I think that if like Urs was like, look, 45 seconds on stage for my posing routine highlights everything I want to highlight and gets everything done. Anything pushing past that is kind of diminishing returns, then I can, I can respect that. Seabom is known for his posing. Um, obviously his amazing physique, but is known for his posing. Uh, so, you know, him being up on stage like that for his routine is just kind of what he's famous for. But looking at Seabom versus Ramon, it's just fucking night and day. Like it's just not even close. Like Seabom going to go down as one of the best bodybuilders of all time when it comes to classic physique and it's well-deserved, but yeah, I mean, it's just Ramon's posing that just drives me nuts. It's just like, he's good everywhere, but his vacuum, like he has a good, uh, you know, um, why am I trying to blink on it? The ab crunch po- pose. I forget what it's called. Um, Put Absent your hands thigh. behind your head. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. You put your hands behind your head and you crunch your abs and flex your thought, your quads. Yeah. It's abs and thigh, whatever it's called. He has a good vacuum there, but when it comes to like his front double, He doesn't use a vacuum really at all. I mean, he sucks in his gut, but he doesn't vacuum, which I think is kind of part of classic because you have to do a vacuum. And when he does his side chest, Ramon doesn't do a vacuum at all. So he, his arm, his, so when he's doing his right side chest, he's like me. I use my right arm to flex. So my right pec is facing forward. When he has his right side chest, his belly isn't vacuumed. So it kind of protrudes a little bit and makes him look, a bit bigger, like in the abdominal section, where if you put him next to C-bum, he has his vacuum in. So he's able to tuck his arm under his ribs and give more of an illusion of a bigger chest and bigger rib cage and a smaller waist and smaller belly. So it just looks night and day there too. So that's my biggest thing with Ramon is that he needs to fix his vacuum. In my opinion, he needs to get that dialed in. And then at the same time, his rear double pose, he needs to get his back more dialed in and then just put more size on, obviously. So he needs to uh just work on that. And then I think he'd be a great contender. Uh he just needs to he just needs some work. I think that Urs needs a little bit more leg size, but his upper body, I think, should have gotten him to second place. And I think what Urs brought to that. You know, obviously Sebum wiped the floor with everybody for this, but
0: I think Urz brought a really, really good presence. Like, I watched his routine, and yeah. yeah, it was shorter, but he was maintaining, you know, crowd control, a couple different sections where he asked the crowd to hype yeah. up. Like, he maintained a really good atmosphere during his.
1: Yeah, yeah, Urz is a great guy. He's also a really cool dude, normally, and he has the passion for it and the the routine and everything, and he's, he's such a hard worker. Uh, when it comes to bodybuilding, it's just, I think that he deserves a lot more. And, um, I just, ever since I saw him, I think it was 2020. I don't know what he placed in 2020. I can't remember, but he just looked amazing. And I was like, wow, I like this guy's look. I just like it. I just like the way he looks on stage. And even though he needs a bit more size, I just, I think he looked great. And then this year, I'm just like this dude, I think if he can get more size in his legs, I think he can dethrone Chris. Honestly, I don't think we're... Well, I,
0: I saw you were calling it um, about a week week prior or something like that. Maybe not for this Olympia, but you were saying, like, if there's going to be a guy, it's going to be Urs.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think if anyone's going to dethrone Chris within the next couple of years, it's definitely going to be Urs. He just needs that size on his legs, so then he's there. That's it. Uh, his upper body's pretty much there. If he can maintain, maybe gain a little bit of size in his upper body and then just focus on his legs. He'll come in amazing and like his posing is there. uh, His presence is there. uh, His attitude is there, respect and everything. It's just, he just needs to get to that place um, with his legs. Looking at more of the classic physique photos, I was so disappointed. So here's, here's where the drama kind of comes in. Two people I had in top five prior to the show that didn't place top five. Terrence Ruffin. um, He placed... I think sixth, either sixth or seventh. He was in the th- so when they do the they do the first call outs, which is top seven, and then they do a second series of call outs after that, which is like one and two, three and four, and then I think five through seven. And I think he was in the middle of five through seven, or maybe it's six through eight. I always, maybe it's top three. I don't know. The, the arrangement, I was reading about it last night. The arrangement's different. They do another series of call outs of the first call out to compare different, like smaller groups of people to see who really wins. So Terrence ended up being in the third call out when it comes to the first call out split. So I think he would have placed sixth if he was middle of that. And I think Fabian would have gotten seventh if I'm remembering correctly. So Terrence, I had in top five. I don't know what happened. He just came in soft. He just, he, he came in just not as lean as he used to. And that's part of what he's known for is that he just comes in usually absolutely insanely diced, but looking at Fabian, I think that Fabian definitely deserved better than Terrence did. I was never really following Fabian until now. I definitely going to start following him because I love his look, but um, Terrence just didn't come in the way I wanted him to. I think five. I'm looking at
0: uh, looking at Terrence right now, and his uh, his waist to to shoulder proportion difference is absurd.
1: Yeah, it's the way absurd. he poses. His front double. Oh, yeah, I, I can
0: I can see he's you know tilting and manipulating, but it's still yeah. that's crazy to go from like I mean that's reverse Kim Kardashian right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's really good at posing. He posed with. I think he did like a training or like a posing session with Lee Brada. So I think he's very um, influenced by Lee Brada's posing style. So for those that don't know, it's called open, close, open. Uh, he has a very unique style of posing. And the way that Lee Brada teaches his people to pose is very, you know, manipulating the waist. And when you transition from one pose to the next, you open up your physique and then you close it to the pose and then you open it back up and then you close it and you open it back up and close it. So like when you do a front double, you op- you spread out your arms and then like s- slide them into the next pose. So it's like, it's an open close kind of posing routine. And I think that's kind of what Terrence adapted from. So his overall prejudging posing styles are f- adapted from the other So that like angled front double that kind of makes his waist look tiny um, I mean, it's kind of sourced from that, but then you look like one, one other thing that, yeah, Breon looked decent. His legs need more size. So, but, um, looking at the top five, I'm so disappointed to not see Logan Franklin. So Logan Franklin, he ended up posting a video to his Instagram talking about how he had to pull out because of health reasons and he was crying and everything it was very emotional for him. Obviously no one knows exactly what it was. People speculate. It was his weight; he didn't come in light enough. But the pro—I think that he qualified. Nick Strength and Power said that he qualified, and that he was ready to compete. But then he pulled out last minute because of something health reason wise. So, I'm happy that he was able to pull out and not push his health and maybe detriment the future or injure himself, uh, because he also has a family. He has a wife and daughter. So he or wife and kid. I don't know if it's a son or daughter. I think it's a daughter so he has to be there for his family. So it's not just him he's competing for. Um, you know, it's his family too and he pulled out because of his health and I'm really disappointed not to see uh him competing because I had him top 5 and I absolutely love his physique. The uh, his, his name is the Tex his nickname is the Texan Oak. Um and he just looks amazing and I think that he would have been a great contender on stage if he was able to make it but unfortunately uh he had to pull out last second and when i was looking at yesterday when i was looking at prejudging i was like hmm i guess logan didn't really come in that well i'm not even seeing him and i was like "Eh, it's it is what it is i called him like probably fifth is what i was predicting so i was like i'm not surprised he's out of top five because fifth or anywhere else is not you know i was calling him for fifth so outside top five is not surprising but then i was like i'm not seeing him at all i don't see him even on the stage when they're waiting for their call outs I'm like where the hell is this guy? I'm like, but then I didn't really look into it. I was like, he's. Just, I just probably just don't see him. But then he yeah, came but out. Then you
0: found out. Yeah, yeah,
1: he didn't compete, and I was like, that makes a lot more sense now because I called him top five, and I didn't see him at all. So people were like, people were talking about how they noticed that he wasn't there, and they were wondering why. So it's a it's a health reason. So I'm glad that it wasn't you know anything else like a family emergency or something like that. I'm glad that it was just something that he was able to catch you know, obviously last minute, but it's something he was able to catch and pull out from the show in order to fix. So that was really disappointing for me because I've been calling him for years. I've been calling it that he's going to be a strong contender one day. Um, He's needed to put on size over the years, but and conditioning, but he's really starting to get dialed in. And back in like 2020, when I started calling that, he kind of came in with a boxy frame, but I was like, I just knew like, if he can pull in that waist, I'm like, if he can pull in his waist, this dude's going to look real good on stage. Uh, he he had a lot of what classic physique is looking for. His just waist looked wide. So over the years, he's really pulled in his waist and really gotten his shoulders wider and just have the you know the the V shape of classic. And I was really excited to see him compete this year because he really pulled it together this year. And he's been training a lot with Hunter Labrada and posing with Lee Labrada and all that too. So um, there's a lot of uh, underlying obvious signs that he was going to do well and it just we didn't get to see it which is really unfortunate um so that's another thing that happened classic so terrence and hunter or sorry not terrence and Hunter, terrence and uh logan who i both had in top five didn't place top five and that was very surprising to me so i had originally my top five was sebum then urs then I, no sorry terrence then urs then I was going to go either... I was probably going to go Breon for fourth just because of this, of the history with Breon. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of his look, but I know everybody else likes it. So I had Breon for fourth, knowing the industry, and then I had Logan for fifth was my prediction. And Terrence nor Logan showed up in top five. So um, it was just very disappointing to see the results of that. But I think Seabum well-deserved it. I do disagree with the rest of the placings, basically, though. <laughs> I do I do agree with Terence's placing, but the rest of it I don't agree with.
0: And that's the uh, that's the beauty of it how it's just <clears throat> how opinion based it is because mm-hmm. we both have our own opinions. The judges had their own opinions, and obviously the competitors have their own opinions as well. Yeah, so it's all the, just... all the same judges,
1: all the same judges, and I agreed with their men's open results, but completely disagree mm-hmm. with the classic physique results outside of Sebum and Terence. Yeah, so it's it's you know it's entirely subjective. So it's just it's an industry interesting industry. You know, every other sport pretty much it's all black and white. Whether or not they won is how many points they scored, or whether or not they won the race. It's all black and white. There is no opinion. Uh, but something like this is entirely opinion based, and it is what it is. that's the industry. One of the
0: uh, well, one of the curious things that I or one of the things that I was curious about while you were going on that little tangent, um. <laughs> you have the uh you have the prejudge pictures in front of you right with the um, drop down menu where you can uh view different people
1: yeah for classic
0: yep yep so while you were talking i was curious i went <clears throat> and i pulled up Seabums bomb's pictures and then i pulled up uh who was the last place dude what's his name uh Wolid Badout or whatever i i'm mispronouncing his name horribly but um I just opened up both of their pictures, and I found Sebum's Side Chest, and what was you know this guy's version of a side chest, and I, what I think is, it's well, it's just the bottom of the of the list. If you're, it, it's spelled W O. Hold on, W O I L I D. That's W O I L I D. W O I L I D. Something like that. W O I L I D. L-I-D. And then his last name is B-A-A-T-O-U-T. Yeah, T-O-T-U-T. And so I'm looking at just a comparison of Sebum's side chest to this dude's uh, side. And the beautiful thing, what I think about this sport, is that, yeah, I can see clear differences of where, you know, Sebum is more diced, like, especially, like, his um, his Uh, leg pop out on the side chest and everything like that and then also just manipulating your body to make your chest look bigger and I can see subtle differences but on like if you gave a random person that did not know the bodybuilding world each of these pictures they I I would guarantee you that they would not be able to have you know consistent reviews of who should have won because Mm -hmm. from an outsider looking into the industry both of these guys are units and I think that's such like an interesting aspect of this, you know, the industry, but also this particular competition and the bodybuilding world as a whole is that you have to work for the minute details in order to reap the gains. And that's and you said like he got last. I, well, I'm just looking at maybe, maybe he didn't get last, but he's last in the uh, list of the uh, pictures that I'm looking at. Like it goes, oh, actually, no, it does give rankings. A lot of people tied for 16th. So, yeah,
1: I was going to say, I don't think they gave, like, technically a last place.
0: Yeah, but just in that in that 16th, you know, yeah. placement. He's and, one of them, uh, yeah. And I, I just think it's really interesting because we, like, for example, if you look at other sports, so let's take, you know, let's take baseball, for example. Mm-hmm. There is a clear-cut difference between the top pitchers in the league compared to the shit pitchers in the league. Mm-hmm and i'm not by any means saying that this woollied guy is is shit not by any means but i'm saying that the what is considered the last place uh like positioning for this particular competition is you're you're still so diced and you're still like such bringing such a frame and such a image that it's just really interesting to to look at this because Obviously, I didn't watch his his routines. I don't know what his you know crowd control is like and how he can work with the audience. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just think that's a really interesting thing to think about, and it brings back our whole conversation of the hype train that someone has because I've never heard of this dude. I've heard of the top ten, like for mm-hmm. each of those people. I've never heard of this dude. and I bet you that factored into this um, into this whole judging as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good point to make because we're, we're considering, like, we got to talk here, we're literally talking about the best of the best in the entire world, and to step on the stage alone is an honor. Like, that's, like, even just step, like, you're not, okay, let's just take the entire, like, like social media gain that you get out of it. Just stepping on the stage when it comes to bodybuilding is just such an honor, and everybody strives to just step on stage, let alone even compete like compete for the win there's a story rich piana had where there, his friend of his uh was like i think it was rich piano's he was in his 40s this friend was in the 40s and the guy was told look you can't compete again like if you compete you're gonna die like you're you've pushed your body way too far and the guy said the guy got qualified for the olympia and he had he was like i'm gonna step on stage and he stepped on stage at the Olympia to make it an honor to step on stage. And after like a week after the show, he died. And so for a lot of these people stepping on stage on the Olympia stage in itself is the prize, you know, because like you can like there's those who, you know, you're stepping on stage to win. And if, if you know you're going to step on stage to win, you're a different degree, level of person. But stepping on stage just to compete at that level just to say you're a Mr. Olympia competitor, competitor, computer competitor. Um that's, that's such an accomplishment and I can only ever dream of stepping on that stage one day. Uh but if you do, you're you're known as one of the best in the world. Even though this guy got, you know, one of the 16th places, he's still considered like even then the top 30 of the world. He steps on any other stage, he's probably going to win. You know, like, this is this is the reality. You know, he won. If you go to his Instagram, that's what I was doing when I asked for his name. I went to his Instagram. Numerous other shows, he won first place and overall. First place oh, yeah. in his class and overall the show. But when you step on a stage at the Olympia, you're competing against a different level. So it's like, you know, you got your regional, then national is the next level, then pro is the next level. And then from there, you got, like, Arnold and the Olympia is the next level. There's, like, four levels of, like, quality of physique and to get to the Olympia, it's just, you, you gotta pass so many layers of competitors and just be next, you know, you gotta be godly. And, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing to consider. It's like, you know, we're talking about earlier, like on a previous episode where, you know, we might be comparing ourselves to people on Instagram and kind of feeling like crap about our look, but we also got to consider we're, t- we're comparing ourselves to like the top 0.1% of the population. And that's what we got to take into account here. We're comparing the best of the best against the best of the best. And you can you put them next to anybody else, they're going to look way better, you know. So it, it, this is just the level of athletes on this stage, and that's why it's called the, that's why it's known as the biggest stage in the world when it comes to bodybuilding. And uh, it's unfortunate that someone like that got 16th, and he probably wasn't hoping for that. Obviously, you want to win, but just being able to step on stage and say that you're a Mr. Olympia competitor is enough for a lot of people. It's usually it goes like. You want to compete, and then from there, you know you want to be a pro one day. Like that's my goal right now is I want to be pro one day. Then from there, you see how far you can take it. You want to win a pro show. That's your next goal. I want to win a pro show, and then when you win a pro show, if you can, then you're like shit. Maybe I could take this somewhere. And then you win another one, and then you keep winning, and then you're like shit. Let's go for the Olympia, and then you qualify for the Olympia, and you start competing in that, and you try to win. So like, there's different degrees of goals that you have, uh, and it kind of starts with pro. If you're serious about bodybuilding, it starts with getting your pro card. Um, And stepping on stage for the Olympia is just such an honor for so many people. And I can only ever dream of it one day. So we'll see what the future entails. Obviously, these divisions change. Men's physique is one of them that's drastically changed over the years and really has only gotten big recently. And even then, it's still kind of controversial because men's physique... They're, you know, they're getting bigger, they're getting leaner. But the problem with men's physique that a lot of us in the industry have is that a lot of the people in men's physique, unfortunately, are very toxic individuals. Um, You know, men's open and classic, obviously, it's gonna be drama, there's stupid drama leading up to the Olympian shit. But like, at the end of the day, a lot of these guys in men's open and classic and all that are really nice guys. uh, And they're really down to earth. But a lot of these men's physique guys are pretty shitty human beings. And I don't know why. I don't know why it's like that. It's just the type of, I don't, it's just really unfortunate because, you know, you talk to anybody who really competes in men's physique and they'll, they'll pretty much agree that a lot of the top athletes like, um, you know, Brandon Hendrickson, for instance, uh, he, he has uh, like a couple baby mamas and just, he's, he like, it's all that stayed. testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't even have close to what or men's open has, but Um, he like, I think he's like kind of supported like some scammy sponsors and kind of shitty to people who want to talk to him and stuff. And that's just what I've heard. I've never experienced it firsthand. So it's just unfortunate that this is the type of vibe that men's physique is giving off. And for a lot of the people who are involved in men's physique that could change the industry and kind of push it in a different direction, they end up kind of falling off and not competing in men's physique and moving up to classic or something like that. Uh, so it's just. It's just how the industry is right now with it. And I think that if we get different people and better people in Men's Physique, I think you can go to a different place and be treated differently. And the other problem too that I see is all these like social media guys who think they're going to win these shows, like the Road to Pro guy. Um, and like a lot of these other guys who compete or want to compete but are big on social media, they, they end up getting decimated on stage in Men's Physique. And I think that that also kind of taints the, the view is that like, um, a lot of these, a lot of people think that they compete compete on the stage, and then they get disappointed, and then they have a bad, like they get a bad taste in their mouth for men's physique because they get decimated, and it's because kind of, it's a lot for a lot of guys it's the kind of starting point for for bodybuilding is men's physique because it's the smallest you can get on stage, and you know you get on stage, compete, get the experience of it, and then you just move out from there. You know, men's open competitors compete can compete in men's physique at the early stages of their bodybuilding careers. And then kind of see how if they like even stepping on stage and doing prep. Not to mention the posing, but like doing prep really. So men's physique is a starting point for a lot of these guys. And they expect to like do well in men's physique because they have their their sights set on classic. But it's a different look. And they get a bad taste in their mouth because men's physique has a certain look. (coughs) Excuse me. That um, is not going to reward those that look like classic. So you know, it's, it's unfortunate that that's the way it is. I think that aesthetics should be kind of, you know, connected between men's physique and classic, you know, you should be, you should both look relatively similar. Like the, the overall aesthetic look should be kind of similar, not different, but men's physique is different from classic. And people are like, Oh, if I can, if I'm thinking about classic, I should be able to do really well with men's physique. But then you compete in men's physique and you're like, shit, I just lost because these guys were focusing on men's physique and getting that look. And I wasn't. So that's another thing with men's physique and the results from this year's men's physique. It just, the competition on the stage just really wasn't, I don't know to me, it really wasn't there. Um, you know, top two, even I was like, I wasn't really super impressed with either one. They look great, but I wasn't the biggest fan of either of their posing. So that's, um, it's, um, Top two was Aaron Banks Aaron, and yeah. Brendan Hendrickson. And the first call out wasn't even like really that amazing. Um, you know, looking at everybody who's competed, I'm like, I don't even know half these dudes. And I'm, it's just, I was just very disappointed with Ben's physique overall. And, you know, they look great. Don't get me wrong. They came in condition, Brend- Brendan and Aaron. It could have gone either way, but they're posing like,
0: he did some weird poses I'm looking at these pictures and yeah like, Brandon's
1: posing's kind of weird
0: it's like a arm up like side ab flex like well, I, don't, I don't know what you're really trying to get out of this
1: kind of like I can't it's hard to explain you you stand to the side and then you you put either one hand on your waist or you don't put it there at all and then you want to flex your lats out you want to make your waist look as small as possible but your shoulders as wide as possible it, it originated with the idea of having the perfect beach body. That's the idea of men's physique. That's why they pose in board or board shorts is that you're supposed to have the perfect beach body. This is like the idea of men's physique was having the perfect body to the, to humanity. Like you're supposed to have the most ideal looking physique for basically the average person. Like this is what is the pinnacle of physiques. Classic physique in men's open is the idea of like how far can we take it? Like classic is like how far can we take it but also look aesthetic and good men's physique mm. is like how far can we take it like that's what those are for men's physique is like how good can the human body look it's supposed yeah. to be like the ideal look um so the posing is how kind ma- of like standing there how many girls can i get <laughs> yeah, how many babes walk up to me at the beach how many <laughs> can i get some poon when i'm at venice <laughs> Um,
0: and then, and again, that, that loops into uh, just a bunch of dudes going,
1: you look great, King, nice pump. Oh, you look sick, <laughs> Nice pose. Ugh. Yeah. So the posing on the, on the top two, I'm just not the biggest fan of personally. I think that Brandon's was kind of whack. He kind of like, he's had good posing in the past. It's just for some reason, he kind of stated more forward on this, on this stage. Aaron's was per, for me, I can see why he won. Uh, I just am not the biggest fan of how he did his posing. I think that he kind of pushed out his abdominal section a little bit, not like with air, like leaned more into his abdominal section a bit more than I would have if I was him. But then again, I'm also not the expert here. It, you know, if he, he has a posing coach, I'm sure. So his posing coach told him to do it the way that he does it. There's a reason for that. Maybe, you know, some other way didn't work, but I just wasn't really impressed with the top two, and I, I didn't like either of their poses. Uh, and it is what it is. It's just that's what they that's the required pose is just kind of standing there. And that's why men's physique also is kind of looked down upon is because the posing's fucking whack. Um, I think that you can do much better with the posing. You know, you don't have to have like a full routine like men's classic physique or men's open, but. I think that you could definitely do, we could definitely do a lot better in men's physique. I think that it's gotten to the point now where the competitors are so big and so lean that the classic, like the old school posing that started all of it just doesn't really hold true anymore. I mean, if you look at like, look at like 2012 uh, men's physique competitors, it's like next, it's not even close to, um, I'm looking it up right now. Um Men's physique 2012. It's not even close. Yeah. It's so fucking different. Looking back at it, this is 10 years ago we're talking and they look like just dudes who just pick up weight sometimes and are just skinny, you know, like (laughs) it's like, like maybe if you had a little more size than you have now, you could have gotten pro in 2012. Like (laughs) put on like four more pounds of muscle and you could have gone pro. Like it, it wouldn't have taken too long to get to that degree. And the board shorts were long and baggy. and uh,
0: Basketball shorts. (laughs) Basically, yeah.
1: It just was literally the idea of like having the perfect beach body. It's like putting Zac Efron on stage, right? That's the idea of men's physique. That was the original idea of it. But now they've gotten so much bigger, so much leaner. The posing is a bit more particular. So it's not even close to what it used to be. Uh, so, I think that the posing is just, it doesn't hold true anymore. Like, there's a comparison right here I'm looking at 2013 Olympia men's physique winner versus 2018. Completely different look. And on top of that, the posing is the fucking same. It's the same pose. Granted, each person yeah. has a different actual pose, but like, it's the same idea of the same pose. It's like, the, it doesn't hold true anymore. Like, imagine, imagine, like, I don't even know, like, imagine. I can't even really, I can't even compare. It's like, there's really no comparison I could think of. It's just so outdated. It it, it just doesn't make any sense anymore to be using the same posing. And I think that the industry is going to start transitioning, hopefully, for men's like for men's physique and kind of focusing on other poses as well. I think that like a side chest, rear double, front double, plus the current posing, I think would be a good option. I think like you can have, what we should have is, like prejudging comparisons you should pose like men's physique but then like you have your own routine where you do like actual posing and i think that should play a role in how you place so
0: we're uh i mean you talked about looking ahead so we are officially one day post uh mr olympia or uh you know olympia last Uh, night yeah so officially one day post if you're going to use your time travel machine, who do you got winning next year? <laughs> uh, obviously, it is the way too early predictions, but we do this in every sport whenever yeah. a uh, there's always I mean I, I bet you there's Vegas odds already for next year and you I mean sure. you have no idea what people look like, but, but hop in your little time travel device, think about the progression over the next year and start with Men's Open, who do you think takes it next year? <laughs> my only prediction... Obviously, obviously, this is a super hypothetical question, but think of think about progressions and how you'd like to see people turn out, and what do you think?
1: <laughs> my my predictions for next year... From and I'm we're... going to quote you on this
0: exactly 364 days from now. Okay,
1: all right. <laughs> my predictions for next year, I don't know where Hadi's going to be at. I Like, it's possible that he could retire. You know, he's been competing for a little while, and he finally won. He might retire on a high note. Who knows? But let's say he doesn't retire, doesn't stop or anything, and we have the exact same lineup pretty much. Like, nobody retires. Everybody's still competing. I have the same top three. The top three that I have next year, though, is that I have Derek in first place and Hottie in second place with Nick in third place. That's okay. what I have. Top three. Quote I can it. really Love only. it. I can only really like predict top three right now Uh, next year. Like I think that there are plenty of athletes that have potential for top five. Andrew Jack is one of them. I think that he has potential for top five. He just doesn't have the uh, you know, he hasn't gotten there yet. Like he, he has the physique for it. He could have the physique for it. I think that people just kind of doubt his work ethic to get to that point. Um, Hunter Labrada has potential for top five. So I would put him top five next year. Um, either fourth or fifth with Nick being third. I think that Hunter has a good physique. I just don't think that he has top three physique and I think it's going to take a lot. I think he really needs to get his waist dialed in, uh, and his ab bellies are just kind of wonky looking. So I think that he's not going to have the best in the world. Uh, so top three is kind of controversial for him. So I think either fourth or fifth for him. That's my prediction.
0: And men's classic, classic physique. Okay,
1: <laughs> this is where it's going to get much harder to say because just
0: just go go to top five. Nothing outside of top five.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think right now. So I have. Do you think, think
0: Bumstead five beats?
1: Probably, especially with okay. his result from Hani. I think that he's gonna. I think he's gonna win next year, most likely. Uh, he's only just now getting started with Hani, and he just decimated the. He decimated the competition. Like he didn't just like win this year. Like he wrecked everyone. It wasn't even close. Uh, everybody was competing for second. Once once you see him on stage, it was it was done. It was done for. Um, so I think that I have him first place, definitely. Urs, if he can put on his legs more. Definitely second, I think. Ramon is probably going to be third. Then probably Breon for fourth as per usual. And then fifth place. I'm hoping... I want Terrence to place higher. I think that if he can come in conditioned, I'd put him third. Then Ramon, then Breon. I would replace Breon with Logan if I had the choice. I think... Well, okay. What I would want to see, if I could... So my prediction is not what I want. My prediction is Seabom, um, Erz, Terrence, Ramon, Breon. That's my prediction. What I want is Seabom, then Urs, then Terrence, then Logan, then Fabian. That's what I want. But that's not my prediction.
0: And the most important question, and also what I just sent you—the wheelchair division. Uh, right. What is your uh, what is your top looking like? I, look at I that picture. Tell me that's not. I you saw me die on camera. That's me looking at that picture. i
1: He, he looks so happy. <laughs> I I know nothing about wheelchair competing. You're good. I'm, I'm just being a. He looks great though for for wheelchair competitors. Oh, absolutely. He he looks like a bodybuilder. Like he looks like he'd compete in, you know, classic or men's open or something. He just obviously doesn't have the legs. So he can't compete in that. So he looks, his upper body would would stand up against other competitors, which is great. That's like, it's very hard for a lot of wheelchair competitors to do that. If you look at a lot of like national shows, like their upper body, because of their lack of mobility their upper body is shaped a bit differently so to see him look like pretty much a bodybuilder waist up is pretty is pretty astounding actually Um,
0: hey man i've got i've got three and a half months uh five years ago of wheelchair experience so uh i'm I'm on that stage next year so uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) we'll just we'll just say your legs don't work we'll just pull um what's it called the the movie with johnny knoxville where where he pretends to be Mentally challenged to compete in the uh, Paralympics. Yeah, yeah. we will just we we'll just gonna
0: gonna take one look at my calves and say, "Yep, nope, get, get this guy off the stage." Yeah, <laughs> he,
1: he has muscle tone in his legs, so he definitely isn't paralyzed. And you'd be like, you'd be like, you'd be like, "What are you doing after this?" You're like, "Oh, I got leg day. To- I mean, uh, I got arms <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't um, see any more legs."
0: The last thing that I really want to touch on. uh, is just the absurd size difference. I, I was watching the um, the uh, what's it called when they give them the medals right at the end. Just like, the I guess
1: your reward ceremony.
0: Yeah, reward ceremony, and uh, you know, obviously it was Ramon and Sebum standing there waiting to see who got first and second. Obviously, they call first place. They don't say who's second place because then it's kind of anticlimactic. But they uh. They call Sebum out for first, and obviously that makes Ramon second. And, you know, the couple people, uh, I forget who they are, they bring over Sebum's first, but Brian Shaw is the one that goes over to give Ramon his (laughs) second-place (laughs) medal. And it is such a funny video to watch because, honestly, Brian Shaw might be twice the size of Ramon.
1: Oh, my God, yeah.
0: Let me see if I can find the video. I'll send it to you. But it is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. actually just look up any um any video that has the 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 stream of um the, the oh Men's yeah and so you, and you just see brian shaw walk over there and he's huge compared no, he, to everybody on stage
1: i thought i'm looking at it right here brian gave the award to sean clarita in 212 did he also do classic
0: yeah well I, he gave it to ramon in in, in classic Okay, I I know that because I was watching it, and it was just like, it took me by surprise seeing the size difference. It was just like, wowie zowie.
1: Yeah, he's fucking massive, because he's like 6'9", like 450 pounds or some shit. It's it's just
0: just absurd.
1: Enormous dude. Um, Obviously, someone like that can never really compete in bodybuilding, seriously. Um, Imagine his
0: cut. <laughs> that it would probably be detrimental to his health to do a cut because oh, your body yeah. is so used to carrying that weight and that size.
1: Yeah, it'd be it'd be a problem. Excuse me, it'd be a problem. I'm just yawn there. Um, it would be a problem for him. That's a that's a big issue. Eddie Hall kind of did a cut. It was weird though. He's not in it anymore, but he kind of did a cut for his boxing match with um with uh Eddie or Thor with Thor Bjornson and. Yeah. It was weird seeing Eddie like kind of fat, but also have abs. It was like, <laughs> it was weird. It was like, you carved abs out of fat. It was like, what the hell am I looking at? Cause he was well, still, I've always box. been there. Yeah. He, ha- I mean, they all have to have like essentially enormous abs because of all the weight they're carrying around. So it didn't, it wouldn't really take much fat to like, cause like I've never met a strongman competitor, but I bet you money. If you like poke their belly, I bet you as hard as a fucking rock. Oh, you're gotcha. A lot of fat um to carry all the weight that they carry around for strength. Um but like he like leaned out a lot of his fat and had abs and it was like, what the hell am I looking at? Cause like he's no he's leaned nowhere else but his abs. It was so weird. Like it looked fake, but it wasn't. So that was really weird to see. And strongman competitors are just ne- next level for for size. I mean Eddie Hall is even on the smaller side as far as height goes, because he's like six three or six four. And that's on the smaller side. And he's like 350 to 400 pounds i think or something like that and you know he is not typically the size that you'd see in strongman and he's still competing it was he would have killed himself if he kept going any longer than yeah
0: well i think it's all a uh really interesting uh thing to think about and look at just seeing the comparison between uh you know obviously brian shaw walking over to the <laughs> yes yeah, but yeah. Uh, overall, this Olympia, I I didn't watch the live stream. I know we were just following the updates, but it was uh, quite an interesting time. And if you take one thing out of this video, go watch um, Hadi's post-interview. And obviously, it's translated over, but just see, watch the emotion on that dude's face. And I gotta watch it. After watching that, that's that'll give you the only reason why you should you know, follow this sport because it's absurd the amount of like emotion he puts into that interview. So you take one thing out of this, even if you don't want to follow the sport, go watch that interview.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that, that translates to anything, you know, watching any, anybody is so passionate about something it it translates. Everybody can be relate, can relate to that. And bodybuilding is just one example of an extremely, extremely difficult sport uh you know i would argue it's one of the hardest sports in the world to really truly compete in you have to put your body through such intense physical pain and uh you know really put it through the ringer in order to get to the point that you're stage ready uh it is not being that lean and that big is not natural at all and you're putting your body through something that is not supposed to happen even classic physique like you're we're not supposed to be that big and let alone that lean but that big even So you're putting yourself through so much to compete on this stage. So to finally win it and bring back that honor to your family and to your culture and your society back in the middle East, where it's required to bring that honor back. I can only imagine how important that is to him. So I'm definitely going to watch that and I'll probably get a little emotional over it because we've all been rooting for him for a while and he just keeps getting robbed of it. So definitely well-deserved. And I'm really happy with the men's open results. I think all of it was, all of it made sense um and honey really really deserved it and i was rooting for him for the beginning as far as like when the show started i wanted derek to win but i think honey deserved it so hell yeah good to see it
0: <laughs> and with that guys we'll be catching y'all next week so uh without further ado have a good one everybody take it easy guys